know, their home field. Uh, I know their fans going to be loud because there's not much to do in Green Bay except watch football. But um. <laughs> Oh, Justin Fields. The Bears just never learn. They keep talking and they keep losing. We're going to talk about if that will, in fact, happen once again. Lauren Cox from Locked On Bears joins me for a crossover Thursday to talk about Justin Fields, to talk about Jordan Love and the matchups in the league's oldest rivalry. All of that coming up on a crossover Thursday, Locked On Packers. Let's go. You are Locked On Packers. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. You were Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for The Leap, a newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers. And anytime you want to come hang out with us live, we'll be live after this game over on YouTube. Maybe, maybe with a special guest. Locked on Packers is, after all, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. It's a crossover Thursday. We had a lot of fun with our pal Lauren Cox. Packers, Bears, let's go. Welcome in to another crossover edition. Locked on Packers, Locked on Bears. This one for all the marbles, at least for the Green Bay Packers and the stakes. Aaron Rodgers called it the Chicago Bears Super Bowl. It does feel like that. A rivalry week. Today's crossover Thursday brought to you by our friends at Prize Picks. The easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use code all lowercase locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Peter Bukowski with locked on Packers. Lauren Cox from locked on Bears. Still the best Twitter handle. On the Locked On Podcast Network, Cox Sports One is just tremendous stuff. Um, I think of that every time I see it. <laughs> um, and Lauren, uh, we have a game where storylines absolutely abound in this one, but I I don't think anything ranks above the quarterbacks heading into this game. And you have spent really three years talking about quarterback, probably your whole career as the Locked On Bears host talking about quarterbacks. Uh, it is no different now. What what do you, what part of the Justin Fields storyline has you most interested right now? What is most relevant right now? It's, it's about how he finishes this season, obviously, but specifically against Green Bay, like that's kind of the big monkey still on the back, right? We've seen... This offense played better the last few weeks. The defense played a lot better. And I know we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit here. Like we've seen like every step of growth that you've been kind of hoping for from Justin Fields. We're starting to see that in the last handful of weeks. But I described it on Lockdown Bears this week as like the Green Bay Packers are the final boss at the end of the video game, right? It's like, mm -hmm. okay, you've been leveling up your XP and getting all the gear and equipment or whatever to be the best version <laughs> of your, your RPG quarterback here. Now it's the big boss, the boss who's beaten you five times and the boss who always seems to have your number. And, and this time around, you've got a Joe Barry defense that is really struggling, even against not great quarterbacks. So it feels like everything should be aligning for Justin Fields to be able to have a big game. And yet there's still this feeling like they can never really do it against Green Bay. And until we actually see them do it against Green Bay it's hard for me to like really fully trust that it is going to come together all in the way that they want it to. But I think a lot of Bears fans feel like 
this is a make or break game for him in Chicago. You, you beat Green Bay, you're the triumphant hero. How can they get rid of you? If you lose to Green Bay again, it's like, well, he can't get over the Green Bay hump. Maybe they should change quarterbacks. Do you think there's really that much at stake here? I don't. I, I There shouldn't be. In my opinion, there should not be. If I'm Ryan Poles, the last eight games matter just as much in, more than just this one game. But this counts as one, you know, eighth of that evaluation. I don't I don't think it should matter that much more. He's the same quarterback today as he'll be after this Packer game. But it has that kind of emotion and energy behind it. Yeah, it, and, and even it does seem like there is a, a feeling nationally, certainly. I mean, we just, there was the piece that, that Courtney Cronin and Jeremy Fowler did about this decision that Chicago has. And I, I frankly read it and and I did read it. People get mad. They're like, you didn't even read it. Um, I, the whole time I'm going, this doesn't seem like a complicated question to me. Um, and I don't, I don't want to dive too far into like that question because it's not relevant to this week's game, as you pointed out. But it just seems to me that if, if the value of Caleb Williams or Drake may is three first round picks and stuff, and the value of Justin Fields is a second or third round pick, then isn't the market in the NFL telling you what asset is the more desirable one. That just seems obvious to me though. I, I am sympathetic to this idea, Lauren of like is Justin Fields plus three first round picks and stuff more valuable than Caleb Williams plus the second or third round pick that you get for Justin Fields. Like I think there is something there's something there. If you, if you really like Justin Fields, I think you see the value of DJ Moore, right? Like DJ Moore has, has changed this offense in important ways. If you could get an asset like that instead of a first round pick, I, then I, I would be more willing to hear it, but let me try and segue this back into our discussion for this week. I feel like this bears team is so much better set up for a young quarterback to come in and succeed in it precisely because they built it to give Justin Fields every opportunity to succeed. They got DJ Moore. They drafted Darnell Wright. Um, they went out and got Luke Getze, who, who has coached really good offenses, really good quarterbacks. Now, look, they in, it's an investment, right? So whether or not you like Luke Getze, they invested in that spot. So I, I am also the kind of person that thinks it would be really hard to call plays for Justin Fields. Like, I think that's part of this, too. I feel like this, they are building something here that I like and a new quarterback could fit in right, right away. What, give me, give me your evaluation of the ancillary pieces right now on this offense. Cause I think that's a really important part of this. Well, the key, the key phrase there is right now, because yeah, Darnell Mooney, I'm not expecting him to play at this point. His season, it feels like it's done. He self-reported concussion symptoms two weeks ago after having a really bad game. And it just seems like, well, he's probably, I hope, I hope that, you know, I, I hope everything's fine with them. And it's probably, and I don't want to question a guy's injury, but it, it does feel like maybe there's a little bit more there than just yeah through issue. And then Nicole Komet is dealing with a knee injury as well. So like last week against the Falcons, it was DJ Moore and blank. You know, it felt like last year's receiving core again. It was a rookie wide receiver, Tyler Scott. It was Equinemius St. Brown. It was punt returner, Trent Taylor and Bayless Jones. And then the running backs like, and Robert Tanyan, former Packer, but it was, it was DJ Moore and nothing. So they, didn't they play, didn't they give Bielis Jones some carries even like he was in the backfield a little bit? They ran him on duo, like straight up, like in the backfield, legitimate up the middle. It was great. Like that's a great future for him when you wave the white flag on a third round pick. At wide yeah. But like, regardless, like don't this, they know running backs after 30, you really lose their juice. <laughs> hey, he came in after 30, man. That's what we started this thing. <laughs> but no, I mean, so I realized I didn't answer your question exactly. Like this season, the, the supporting cast has been good. I wouldn't say better. It's been better. better for sure, but 
it feels less better now because the injuries are starting to mount up there. But offensive line is playing better. Running game is consistent. The backs are good. DJ Moore is, is really good. And then it's a matter of what else they might have. But the, the feed DJ Moore, the ball 10 times offense, is something we wanted to see more of all season. So I think yeah. there's a certain level of optimism that against especially perhaps a struggling Joe Barry defense that it could be enough in this game. That I think that's the case. Um, the 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 problem is Jordan Love is coming off a game where he played out of his mind and uh, against a defense that threw everything they possibly could throw at him. Um, I think the number, according to Pro Football Focus, was that Brian Flores blitzed on something like seventy five percent of dropbacks. Like it was just an outrageous number, and Jordan Love diced them up, and they scored thirty three points in a game where they they brought in Sean Clifford, the human victory cigar, with you know, six minutes left in the game and, and then threw a pass with him, which Kevin O'Connell did not love threw a bomb to Bo Melton at the end of that game. Um, but I think that tells you where the, the Packers confidence is in Jordan love right now. This is two teams who I think if you, if you pulled the front offices in August, they would have told you, we believe in Justin Fields and the Packers might've said, we're looking to see with Jordan love. And it seems like that has almost entirely reversed and I've been saying this all week uh, and wrote about it in The Leap, a newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. I think we might remember Sunday as the game where everyone realized Jordan Love is the franchise. He is the quarterback moving forward. Um, what is your, and we can, you know, we'll talk about it more in the matchups part of this, but what is your perception of where Jordan Love is right now from the outside? Yeah, to me, the success of Jordan Love has been so damning for the Bears' development of Justin Fields. Like, mm. comparatively, you look at what Jordan Love has had to work with this season. You could have every excuse in the book for why Jordan Love didn't play well this year, when in terms of the offensive line is not what they planned it to be starting week one. I mean, the whole David Bakhtiari thing is is, is messy in a lot of different ways. I know yeah. you that. Christian Watson has been His hurt. tweets aside. Well, yes, and... I mean, all the receivers have been young and inexperienced, and the one you thought you'd be able to rely on the most, Christian Watson, hasn't been in there for a lot of these great games. And a guy like Bo Melton comes in off the street and has back-to-back -back, or has the first hundred-yard receiving game of a Packer this season last week. Yeah. Like he, that, for Jordan Love to be playing as well as he has in the personnel circumstances that he has, to me, highlights the value of, of Matt LaFleur as a play caller, as a schemer, but also of of Jordan Love having that time to develop and grow over three years, and like. To me, that, that's the biggest reason why I still think the Bears should fire Matt Eberflus and certainly Luke Getze. It's like up in Green Bay, you see what having a really good offensive scheming coach can do for your quarterback, regardless of receivers and offensive line. And not to take it away from Jordan Love, but like that's such a big part of the equation for me that Justin Fields hasn't had. Like you can talk about adding Marvin Harrison Jr. or whatever for Fields and adding all these weapons for the quarterback, but like scheme seems to matter and coaching seems to matter a lot more than player personnel it's still mad personnel still matters and those young receivers are exceeding expectations of playing well but man like it, it sure is hard to look up there in green bay and see like he he doesn't need all the excuses of well he needs better receivers he needs a better offensive line he needs a better defense he's still playing well in spite of all those things and like that that should apply to other quarterbacks too god i can't wait to clip that and put it on social media uh we have more to come here uh <laughs> with locked on packers locked on bears a crossover thursday in just a second This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is here to help you with all of your online therapy needs, whether it's just meeting with a counselor to work through the easy things in life or maybe the more difficult things. 
BetterHelp can help make that experience so much easier. I know the, the holiday season or the new year can sometimes be difficult for people. New year, you're thinking about, you know, the past year or what you're supposed to do differently this year or trying to, you know, you're so critical about yourself and how I need to improve and all this stuff. And it can be kind of detrimental. You know, this, this whole focus on self-improvement can ultimately end up dragging things down and making life that much more difficult. And BetterHelp is here to kind of help you work through that and, and be your best, best self while also appreciating what you've been able to do so far on your own. So if you've been thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on. All right, Lauren, we get to talk about the matchups in this game, which have become much more interesting than they were in week one in a lot of ways because this Bears defense, the, the numbers say they have been much, much, much better compared to the version we saw in week one where the Packers, especially on third down, especially in these late down and distance situations, I think to date it is still Jordan Love's best EPA per play game of the season. Um, and Aaron Jones, I think the, the vision of Aaron Jones destroying a Bears linebacker, Trey Madden's, I, I believe, if my memory serves, on fourth and two um, and going to the house and then pulling up with a hamstring injury is one of the lasting images, frankly, of the season, I think, for the Packers because then the route was on from there. Uh, what has changed defensively for this team? Um, I, I know Montez Sweat is the easy answer, but but to me, there's more there. What do you see? Yeah, start, this defense went through a fairly fundamental scheme i don't want to say philosophy change but kind of uh, right after week five they had a mini bye week when they started oh and four and then won one game against the commanders and they had time to kind of stay, take a step back and say okay something's not well a lot's not working here right now what can we do differently and they went from matt eberflus's traditional you know rod marinelli style cover two, sit back in a lot of soft zone coverage two deep defense and said well you know what, screw it we got outside cornerbacks here that like to be physical and can kind of shadow guys pretty well one-on-one -on -one, and we've got you know, a really good free safety who's great roam in the middle of the field, and then a more traditional style strong safety with not as good roam in the field. Let's go a little bit more, uh, a lot bit more single deep. They're a lot more of a cover three, cover one team now. They're not like super heavy in man by any means, but they're, they rotate their safeties more. There's a lot more they can do to then disguise blitzes. You know, when you've got two deep safeties all the time, it's just linebackers and, and corners, but now you can bring the safety up and you can drop the safety into different spots in coverage. If you only have one deep safety, the underneath safety can kind of fill anywhere up front. And then no matter who you blitz, you've got more options when you've got more guys closer to the line of scrimmage as far as when and where and how you blitz. So we've seen Matt Eberflus not go extreme in the blitzing. He's middle of the pack in blitz rate, but that's still more than we were used to from the Matt Eberflus scheme in previous years and previous teams that he's worked for, plus more single deep. They still, they still, plenty, they still run plenty of two deep coverages, but it's just more of a coverage variety and a less soft mentality of like, give them the space and come up and tackle. Well, no, they're going to be a little bit more physical and a little bit more aggressive. And that's coincided with Montez Sweat coming in. And I think just generally players brought in this offseason, there was so much turnover about halfway through the season, guys settle in. Okay. You're two new linebackers plus, you know, rookie cornerback plus new defensive lineman. Like they got to get used to each other in the scheme and the play calling. And about halfway through the season, it's like, all right, now I'm truly comfortable. Now I really know the guys around me. And the Bears also just got healthy at the right time. They're one of the healthiest defenses in the NFL right now with pretty much every starter they would want, minus Yannick Ngakwe, who's on IR, and he wasn't playing particularly well anyway. Yeah, it's interesting to me because when you 
I think all that is true. It's 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 one of those tough things because I think they're playing much better. And then when you dig into some of the numbers, you go, okay, well, a lot of that productivity is also against the worst quarterbacks that they've faced so far this season. When you look at the, the quarterbacks by top, the top 15 quarterbacks by EPA per play this season, and a lot of those games were pre-Montez Sweat, um, they're, they're averaging over 28 points per game to those teams, and they're one in six in those games. So it's like, okay, well, you beat up some, some bad quarterbacks. And by the way, as someone who has watched Joe Barry give free reign to Tommy DeVito and Bryce Young, like no shade, that's what defenses should do. Um, the Packers defense has been unable to do it. I even said on Twitter yesterday, I was like, yeah, I don't think Justin Fields is very good, but Joe Barry makes not very good quarterbacks look like Joe Montana this season. We've seen it a couple times. And so that's what makes this so interesting because um, the, 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 the teams, I think the Packers are the most blitz team in the league offensively. So no one has seen more blitzes this season than Jordan Love, but the Bears that's not really their core identity, right? That's not, that's not who they want to be if they can avoid it. Um, and that, what's interesting is the first down blitz, Lauren, is something that Todd Bowles had some um, success with. Brian Flores tried to do it, and the Packers said, we got something for you then, if that's what you want to do. And the Packers have had some counter punches. When you look back at the first game, and you said the structural differences that, that have been made there, how do you think those, those come into play this week? Um, because the Packers have gotten their running game on track a little bit with Aaron Jones. What do you think changes about this matchup if they're going to play, okay, let, less cover two, less two shell, and more single high, more man-to-man? -man. Yeah, to me, there's, a, I think, a certain level of confidence and aggressiveness that have come with, like, now we trust these guys. You know, in week yeah. one, it's rookie Tyreek Stevenson in his first ever game, and it's linebackers in their first ever game in this defense. And it was a lot like, it felt very mechanic like mechanical mm -hmm. when it's like Tremaine Edmonds and TJ Edwards are dropping back in his own they're dropping back to a landmark they're going to a spot turning around and looking at it, and then they're not they're not necessarily playing as free and loose it's like I gotta follow step a to step you know point, dot to dot from point A to point b yeah. turn back let me follow the four rules that they taught me in order it's more formulaic yeah you're not you're you're doing it you're not feeling it yes exactly and to me there's been a lot more of that feeling like I look back coverage wise in week one it wasn't even their biggest cover two game. Like there wasn't as much like what I, I kind of looked week by week at the Bears coverages and back in week one against the Packers, it was still prime. It was primarily cover three in that game. It was about 20% cover two and a decent amount of cover six in there, but it, they were still primarily cover three in that game. And the next three or four games, it was a lot more cover two. Like week one, it was a little bit more balanced. Cause I think they were like, all right, let's try everything with this group. And then they were like, Oh, wait a minute. We can't handle everything. We got to scale this back down and do some cover two and keep things simple. Well, that's not working either. Then we got to find out what works for us. So to me, it's it's just a much more streamlined game plan where it's like, all right, we know what our guys are good at. And we trust that Jalen Johnson versus Bo Melton is a matchup. The bears like, you know, maybe if Christian Watson's back, we, that's a different conversation, but like we trust our talent against your talent, you know, X's and or Jimmy's and Joe's not versus X's and O's kind of thing. Right. There. Whereas like week one, it's like, well, we got to figure out what the Packers have. What are these receivers? What is their offense going to look like with Jordan Love in his first year as a starter and what, what, how they're going to use these receivers. Now it's like, we know what the Packers are going to do and what they want to do. And maybe they know what the bears are going to do and want to do, but the bears feel like, okay, you know what we run coverage wise. Our guys are going to be better than your guys skill wise. And, and that's the, that's the tough part because Christian Watson did not play in that first bears game. Dontavian Wicks did not have the role that he theoretically has now. He he did practice on Wednesday. So did the Packers, I believe, Lauren, could have 
for the first time all season, all of their skill guys healthy for a game this season. They all practiced on Wednesday. We'll see as we move through the process, but it would be incredibly the first time in 17 weeks, now 18 weeks, that they have had all their guys on the field at once. Um, Luke Musgrave practicing off that lacerated spleen. Christian Watson's had a hamstring. So he was close last week. It it does make it interesting because this defense looks very different. And the Packers offense, frankly, looks very different in its structure, in its form, and in its approach than it did in week one. And so it's sort of like, I, I feel like any game or that early in the season, you probably have to throw out, right? I think you have to extra throw that one out because it these two teams just look so different um, then versus now. Do you think the the Bears will decide we need to do what these other teams have tried to do against the Packers and bring pressure? Or is it, all right, let's stop the run, make Jordan Love have to, on third and eight, do something, and we think Jalen Johnson and Tyreek Stevenson and Eddie Jackson and these guys plus our big dogs up front led by Montez Sweat, try and create a little pressure, four-man rush. Let's just let's just play coverage and figure it out on third down. Like, what do you think is going to be the most likely approach, the most efficient approach? Are those the same things? Because they're not always. Um, so what what is your what is your thought on that? Yeah, I definitely lean the latter there. You know, Maddie Bruce is not one who's just gonna like totally compromise, not compromise, but you know, he's not gonna just become a well, everyone blitzes the Packers and that works. So let's go out and do that. Like he's very much a third down blitzer for sure. And he likes to get creative and, you know, they'll get some different weird lineups and different fronts that they've unveiled throughout the course of the season. And like, they've been dropping their defensive tackle, Justin Jones back into zone coverage a lot. I mean, a lot is a relative term, but for a deep, for a three technique, it's been, you know, two or a three times game. Yeah. Back in it. They got burned on it against the Browns in the fourth quarter and lost the game. And bears fans got upset. Like, why are you dropping the defensive tackle back in coverage? And then, other times it works well and no one complains because they don't really notice that he dropped back into coverage when the blitz gets home and gets through. But TJ Edwards has been a really phenomenal blitzer this season. And I think like, it's going to be in spots. Has right? been since he was in college. He was an yes. awesome blitzer at Wisconsin. Oh, absolutely. And, and so Iberflus will kind of pick and choose his spots. You know, it'll be, you know, 15, 20% of dropbacks maybe. And it's going to be, yeah, it's that third and eight, right? It's stop the run, get him in a third medium, and then, then try and surprise him with something on third down. Not that you're going to totally fool him, but just that, the right blitz at the right time. A lot of the, the sim pressures they try and go to have been fairly effective when you have Montez Sweat getting so much of the attention on one side. But they have still been looking for that true other complementary pass rusher to really step up. It's kind of been a smorgasbord, and that's where the blitzing comes in. It's like, okay, it's, it's Sweat, and then the blitz is kind of their second-best pass rusher there. The simulated pressures was the last big ticket item for Jordan Love to knock off his list because the blitz, he's handled the, the actual pressure, the blitz, pretty well all season. Um, absolutely diced, as I mentioned, the, the, the blitzes from Brian Flores, but it was the simulated pressures that had him really, I think, you know, I, I don't want to oversell how flustered it made him, but I think that that Vikings, that first Vikings game was really the nadir for him in terms of not seeing it well pre-snap and post-snap. There were some times against Tampa where they, the simulated pressure really, really affected Jordan Love. He felt like he had to get the ball out quicker than he really needed to. And you saw on Sunday night, he he would say, okay, they're going to show this. Look, if they bring it, I've got this. And if they don't, I've got this. And I, I credit Matt LaFleur to your point at the top. That is coaching. That is understanding the answers here. And that is making sure your quarterback understands the answers so that if it looks post-snap the way I didn't expect it to look, where am I going? I, I know right away, okay, this is the look that they like to get into after they show pressure and back out. And that's the, I think you're going to see a lot of simulated pressure from Matt Eberflus 
um, because that is the thing. Make make Jordan Love prove he can do it. And then when he if he if and when he does, then you have to make an adjustment. I mentioned this uh, on the show earlier this week. Uh, my everyday which will remember um, the ability to see a team a second time has been so valuable for the Packers. Um, the Chiefs 2021 to now, the Vikings earlier in the season to now, the Lions early in the season to now, they have been awesome making those adjustments. This is the first time that they're going to do it against the team they beat the first time. So they're going to be having to anticipate the counter punches from Chicago, and then they're going to have to counter punch the counter punch and, and see what they can do. Uh, we'll, we'll put together our list of keys to victory here, Lauren, as we close out another crossover edition, Locked on Packers, Locked on Vikings. This crossover locked on Packers, locked on Bears is brought to you by. What did our, I say? You said locked on Vikings. <laughs> this crossover Thursday, locked on Packers, locked on Bears is brought to you by our friends at LinkedIn Jobs. Sorry, LinkedIn. At the start of the new year, every small business owner is asking themselves the same question What's one move that I can make that'll take my business to the next level in 2024? How about getting your co host podcast correct? That could take your business <laughs> to the next Shout out Luke Braun. If you need a new Locked On Packers host, LinkedIn Jobs would be a great place to be able to find one this season. Because LinkedIn Jobs knows that success depends on all the team that you surround yourself with. And make sure you have other podcast network hosts that can properly tell you which podcast you're doing a crossover with. And LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. Because LinkedIn's not just another job board. as a vast network of more than a billion professionals that make it the best place to hire. It's why LinkedIn is rated number one by small businesses in delivering quality hires versus their leading competitors. LinkedIn knows that you're wearing a lot of hats and that you might not have time or resources to hire. That's why they make it intuitive, quick, and easy. Host your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. We're back. I'm not sure what crossover we're doing, but I'm pretty sure we're doing a crossover. It's it's the Packers against some NFC North opponent. It's either Luke Braun or Lauren Cox. No, it's our pal Lauren Cox, locked on Bears, locked on Packers. Um, I'm I, I'm sorry, my my holiday brain got to me on this one. Um, welcome back. It's unreal. So disrespectful. <laughs> I I almost wish it could have been intentional. It was honestly just a moment of of my brain not functioning properly. So uh, I apologize. To Lauren and to Luke, frankly, because I should know and, and be able to put sentences together. It is my job after all. Um, so similar, you know, the beard, <laughs> the brown hair. Yeah, yeah. And the, and the teams are in such similar positions. Actually, they are kind of in similar positions right now. Um, no quarterback of the future. So uh, as you as you put together, you know, the, the Bears will win if. What is that if? To me, the Bears just have this formula that they've had to follow all season and when they do it it works and when they aren't able to do it, it 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 falls apart right it's all about staying ahead of the sticks offensively as soon as they get penalties or negative plays whether it's a, a screen that blows up or run for a loss and you get behind you know second and 12 or third and nine that's when things become difficult when they get into their own way offensively that often feels like what it comes down to and sometimes it's play calling getting in their own way too when they just get really conservative and are happy to settle for field goals instead of kind of pushing the needle for trying to really score touchdowns on those plays. You know, so if the offense can just stay ahead of the sticks, generally they've been able to move the ball consistently down the field and at least get field goals. Maybe finishing drives with touchdowns is, can be the harder part there. And then defensively, 
it's been the turnovers have really been their saving grace. And I know turnovers are hard to sustain and turnovers are hard to keep doing at a high level, but in the last, what is it, six games, they have 20 turnovers, or 12 and six, no, 18 turnovers in the last six games. They're averaging three turnovers a game. It's and 18, yeah. And that includes one game with no turnovers in it against uh, the Arizona Cardinals. But even, I mean, every offense, they've been able to find ways to get them. It's not always like terrible quarterbacking. Sometimes it's a diving interception by TJ Edwards on otherwise what would have been an open receiver. Like there have been some really nice plays by DBs and there've been some gifts by quarterbacks too, but those turnovers give the bears offense that extra possession with good field position to be able to stay ahead of these teams. And it's just, you know, the defense holds the other team down to 17 or 20 and the bears finish these drives with a couple of touchdowns. And like, it's not been, a, it hasn't been the 30 point victories or the, you know, 30 point, I guess 20 point victory, but 37 points on the board against the Falcons last week. It's just been doing enough with a defense that does the job for you. And that, that to me, it's, it's what it feels like. Just be aggressive against these Packers receivers, try and, you know, limit some of what Jordan love can do. Don't let him just run the ball and make it easy on him. And, then as an offense, finish some of these drives and, and stay get out of your own way in terms of mistakes. You should be able to score a few times against this Packers defense, and you feel like the Bears defense is not going to totally shut down the Packers offense, but can hold them to a reasonable enough score that the Bears offense should be able to score enough against, against Joe Barry to win the game. So interestingly, um, I, I felt the exact same way in the reverse, and, and you, you laid out exactly why. Um, if the Packers don't turn the ball over, I frankly don't see – the Bears being able to score enough points to stay with Green Bay because I I kind of don't care who the Packers are playing defensively at this point. I don't think it matters. I just think if they play well and they don't turn the ball over, they can score on anyone. And I think this last week was a perfect example. The fifth-ranked team by defensive DVOA, the, the boogeyman from Jordan Love's worst game of his career, probably, and they go out and they roast them. No Dontavian Wicks. You lose Jaden Reed during the game. You don't have Christian Watson. And I, I think that is just the level that Jordan Love is playing at right now. I think that's the level that Matt LaFleur is scheming at right now. And actually, I was curious, Lauren, because you mentioned all those turnovers. And I went, is it is it the case that this this is just fluky turnover luck stuff and, and the Bears defense isn't really that good? Since week six, you mentioned that week five being the, the key moment there. Since week six, they are third in EPA per play defensively, excluding turnovers. So even with... The, the flukiness of turnovers, which can sometimes affect defenses, and you go, okay, like that, that that fake, fake Broncos run where the defense all of a sudden looked fixed. It's like, no, no, the defense still stinks. They're just getting turnovers. This Bears defense is legitimately good whether they get turnovers or not. Um, and, and so that is something that I think, you know, the Packers, if you don't turn the ball over, if you don't give the Bears opportunities on short fields, if you make them go 15 plays, 75 yards, I just don't see any evidence that they can do that consistently to score more than like 21 points. Um, and I think that the Packers are going to be able to do more than that if they avoid the turnover. So I, you know, I, last week Luke said the same thing, said turnovers. And I was like, oh, I got to pick something else. I, it's too important this week to me for the Packers to avoid the turnovers, to not also say, I think that's the thing. Let me just quickly, as we, as we close out here, let me ask you, um, what is the one thing you are most concerned about the Packers doing to the Bears, whether it's offensively or defensively? Hmm. I, I, most concerned is a hard word for me. Like, I have this fear. I don't know if it's my most concerned, but I do have this fear that the Packers' offense schematically will expose this Bears' defense. Hmm. And as talented as this Bears' defense is, I think the players are very talented. I don't necessarily feel like Eberflus is genius scheming these guys up to success. To me, it feels like Ryan Poles has acquired some very good players and a good 
defensive coach is getting good de- is getting great defensive play out of very good players. Like he's not bad. He's just not like, you know, he's not Mike McDonald in Baltimore revolutionizing, not revolutionizing, but bringing up a modern NFL defense and, and tweaking things and like scheming those guys up to be great. It feels like Eberflus is kind of just running fairly standard stuff. And when you have good players, that works. And so like, to me, this game feels like either the Packers offense will totally expose this Bears defense and the Justin Fields hype will hit a brick wall, even against Joe Barry and kind of fl- flutter out. And it'll be same old Bears lost to Packers or I like that one. Can we do that one? To me, there's no there's no middle ground because the the alternative is or Justin Fields is playing the best football of his NFL career right now and rides that into a bad Joe Barry defense and continues to play really well. Great downfield passing some big scrambles with his legs and the Spurs defense maybe doesn't shut down Jordan Love and quote unquote expose him, but just brings them back to reality a little bit that, yeah, these receivers aren't actually that good. They're young and they're going to have ups and downs and mistakes and you can't purely scheme your way through a talent deficiency when you're going up against a team, a defense that just is more talented, you know, person to person, even though the schematic advantage is certainly there for green Bay. So to me, it feels like one of those two kind of extremes and there's not this middle ground where, okay, fields is okay, but not great, but not terrible. And this bears defense is okay. Like it's either everything goes really well for Chicago and they win this season on a big high note or everything falls apart and they're a little bit exposed in Chicago. Yeah, I, I think you're. I think you're absolutely right. I think we see this uh, in very much the same way, and that, that is, of course, the, the concern for the Packers fans is they saw this movie last year, and they thought there's no way Aaron Rodgers is going to lose at home to the freaking Lions. I don't care how good the Lions are playing. There's just no way that that's going to happen. And then that happened. And I think if if Jordan Love is a franchise quarterback, if Matt Lafleur is the coach that I think he is, you just can't lose this game. And when we've seen this in the past, even when a team wants to play spoiler. If there is a talent discrepancy, especially at a key position like quarterback, and I think that there is, certainly in productivity this season, the team that it means more for, that is fighting for their playoff spot, it just tends to, like, these are the games that can get out of hand, right? Even if you don't think there's a huge difference overall, because of the intensity difference, like, this this could be a game where all of a sudden you look in the third quarter and it's 24 to 10, and you're just sort of like, this game was supposed to be close, but one team is fighting for something and the other team is fighting for pride. And I know it's a rivalry and that's what the NFL tried to do. But like, I just think that could be an outcome here. I'm not suggesting that's going to happen. I'm not going to pick that to happen, but like it, it can't be un like it can't go undiscussed that the, the Packers season, their stakes, their future kind of on the line here. And given the way that it went last year, a lot of these same players are going, we're not going to let this happen again. And so I think that that matters a lot here. Um, I'm excited for it. I think this is going to be a great time. The Packers are, I believe, three-point favorites according to our fans at Fran- FanDuel. Yeah. Um, it opened at three and a half, right? So that means there's some there's some Bears action coming in here. Well, how do you see this ultimately finishing, Lauren? Yeah, real quick to your to your point about like the Packers having more stakes. I, I agree. The the one thing I'll say is with Justin Fields. I mean, obviously there's stakes, but like the last couple of weeks we've seen Justin Fields very clearly more loose and more free and kind of saying, listen. I might not be here next season. So I'm going to go have fun. I'm going to play loose. I'm going to chuck it downfield. And like, it was like super confident ball against the Falcons. Like he's just going to be as free and loose as Justin Fields and not restricted by like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta turn. I gotta not do turnovers. I gotta do this. I gotta prove everything. He's like, no, screw it. He's like, he lit, lit up a cigar in the post game in the locker room after the game. Cause he thought it was his last game at soldier field perhaps. So he's like, screw it. My last game at Lambeau. Screw it. I'm just going to be me. So there's a certain level of like, he really cares to just be fast and loose here. But as far as how this game goes, I, I'm really torn on I'm really torn on what I think is gonna happen. I'm so I'm so beaten by 
and five Justin Fields versus Green Bay. Like, and so why this time all of a sudden the thing's going to be different? But I mean, the Joe Barry defense is bad enough. Like, if if the Packers defense was playing even average right now and wasn't giving up big games to Bryce Young and and worse quarterbacks than Fields, then I'd be like, yeah, I mean, cutlets. I think Green Bay is going to do this one, but. To me, I think this Bears offense will be able to do just enough, and I think this Bears defense will be able to do just enough. And as much as I, I've been legitimately impressed by Jordan Love, I, I I think the Bears win a close one when it's all said and done. But it's going to come down to the final four minutes of the fourth quarter, which has been the Bears' weakness all season. They finally seem to have figured that out. But thing, weird things happen in Lambeau Field against Green Bay, so I'm not I'm not confident, but I think I can I think I can see it coming. God, you almost talked yourself out of it there at the end. That was really fun. That was really fun to watch. I appreciated that. Um, <laughs> Matt LaFleur 9-0 against the Chicago Bears, the only coach in NFL history to start his coaching career 9-0 against the Chicago Bears. So if we're going to talk about ownership, I think Matt LaFleur has at least like some equity stake in, in what's going on here. Um, I, I, I like Green Bay in this one. I think the stakes matter. I think the quarterback thing matters. I think, um, I, I think if you get out to an early lead, you can convince the Bears to, to say our season's over. It's okay, and we'll be fine, and I'm not trying to get hurt. And I've got contracts and those kinds of things. I'm not saying that they're going to quit because I just like they're they haven't this season. They haven't quit on the coach, and I think that's a credit to Matt Eberflus. Um, but to your point, I, I also don't think he's the guy to shepherd this team into the future. And so you get out to a 14 nothing lead, a 14 three lead. I think that that this game could go sideways that way. And the Packers, for whatever flaws Joe Barry has, um, he's played Justin Fields tough, and they've scored a lot of points in some of these games but he's also turned the ball over in a lot of these games. And there was a time not so in the not so distant past. I should have looked this up before we started where Justin Fields had thrown as many touchdown passes to Packers at Lambeau field as he had to bears. Um, and so Russell Douglas, not in the building anymore. He's in Buffalo trying to, trying to go compete there, but Jay Alexander is going to be out there. He has gotten fields a number of times already. Um, I think at the end of this, we're going to be saying much like Tremont Williams and Charles Woodson said once upon a time, same old Jay. I think it's same old Justin and the Packers when they go to the playoffs. And you and I have a lot of fun this offseason talking about these two teams. Lauren, we will talk to you very soon, my friend. Locked on Packers. Locked on Bears is the show that we are doing here, a crossover Thursday. We'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks to Lauren for joining the show. Great to talk to him. Uh, I was talking to Lauren, right? Not Luke Braun, we're sure. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Oh, Lauren's a good sport. I appreciate him. Always, always, always. I think this is only the second or third time he has picked the Bears on the crossover show. Um, and I, the 2018, no, 2019 week one was one for sure I remember that he picked. So Packers won that one. So just, just something to think about. Uh, we're back tomorrow. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you'll find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to come hang out with us live, like we'll be on Sunday after the game, maybe with a special guest, uh, you can come subscribe to us on our YouTube page so you can stay Locked on Packers.